This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Monday, we talk travel and money. Ultimate travel hacking tips and destination advice recorded on location. We also interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode 054. In this episode, inspiration and information on what it's like to be location independent, and our guest Fabian discusses some of the alternative ways to jump outside the mold of society. There's so many different paths you can take, and that this kind of risk-free path that society proposes to everyone is, is just one of them. Train your brain to be open for stuff that's around you and then with your intuition your trust you decide where you engage and where not and then you just engage in the right things and that's something that travel i think can teach you plus has the cubicle had its day the changing face of corporate jobs i don't think that it's necessary going into the direction that everybody has its own business but that remote work is going to be a big thing where bigger corporations start by saying okay now you can choose one day per week where you work from home or for a coffee shop or from wherever testing this new model and then maybe giving people more and more liberty so hello everybody hello Good morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Yes. Wherever in the world you happen to be on this lovely Monday. Lovely, lovely here, lovely and sunny. Must be about 34 degrees outside today. Yeah, it's, it's certainly summertime in Bucharest. It's great. I love the summer. Yes. So, today, something a little bit different. Oh, I'm so excited to, for you guys to hear this podcast. Like, just listening to Fabian speak. And you'll find out who Fabian is in a second. What a crazy life. What an interesting, fascinating guy. Yeah, I mean, he's been going since 2006 and he has just been all over the world. And like doing it like hardcore local style, actually staying in places long term rather than short term. So many different jobs. And I think this is probably the takeaway that you guys, I hope, will get from this episode is although we personally work blogging and make money through various things like affiliates, and obviously we've talked about that in other episodes, it's not all about blogging. You no. may already have an option, a travel freedom escape plan you option. You just have to think outside the box. Yeah, we're going to be talking about how people have continued to be employed, yet remotely, by the same companies. You don't necessarily have to quit your job at all. And a lot of the people that Fabian interviews and has interviewed in his series for StartupDiaries.org have all been people that aren't just bloggers. They are all business people working for different companies or working for themselves. It's Yeah, it's been a really interesting episode to record. I hope you guys really enjoyed the interview. Now, before we get started, I just want to give a quick reminder. We are still taking responses to our survey, which is for the, the Travel Freedom Podcast community. It's not about podcasting. It is about travel freedom lifestyle. It's about building your business online. It's about building your blog. It's about getting more knowledge about affiliates. Basically, the sort of things that we talk about on the show, but in real, real detail. So we're looking at putting execution plans in there, which would be like step-by-step guides with video instructions of exactly how to achieve certain goals, like setting up an affiliate site, those sorts of things. The sort of stuff that we do all the time and have been doing for the last couple of years, marketing advice, loads of other things. And really what we want to find out from you guys is exactly what you need so that we can put that information in there. So if you want to get 50% off the first month when this comes out, if you think this might be something that will be really good, it's going to be like a membership site, 
which will be filled with really useful information. Yeah. Private membership site, only for people who are subscribers. Uh, if you go and fill out this questionnaire now, then we will give you 50% off your first month. We don't know what the first month's gonna cost yet. We haven't decided that. Actually, you can help us decide by answering these questions. It's gonna take less than two minutes. It really is a short questionnaire. It's like mostly tick a box next to something. It's really easy. So go to travelfreedompodcast.com slash community and let us know your thoughts on becoming part of a travel freedom community and getting really good, useful advice for building your business online. So, what time is it now? Time for the interview? Let's do it! So in 2014, Fabian and his team set out to travel from Santiago to Sao Paulo. They're on a mission to meet and interview people who have redefined their work lives, location-independent professionals. As someone who interviewed so many people that live a location-independent life, we thought Fabian would be the perfect candidate to discuss the realities of digital nomad life and what common characteristics it takes to attempt this lifestyle and make it work. So hey Fabian, how's it going? Hi, Tomo. Hi, Maxi. Thanks for having me. It's no uh, going great. I'm at my parents' place here in the garden. The sun is shining. There's a lot of bees, which I occasionally have to fight off, but uh, it's, it's really nice here. <laughs> nice. Summer in Europe. Always insects. Yes. <laughs> no, cool. Well, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey through South America, just so the listeners can get a bit of an understanding of what you've been up to. Okay. Yeah, I'm Fabian. I, my home base is in Berlin. I'm German, if you didn't hear that already from my accent. I'm 33 or 4 years old, a long-term traveler since I'm 20, and recently came back from a trip to South America, which was slightly different. We started last year in October with a challenge to actually run our company from a Land Rover Defender. These are those old tank-like cars, which, which look like a rectangular box, basically. And we bought one of those in Buenos Aires and then drove uh, 20,000 kilometers from Uruguay to Colombia. And while we were on the road, we did a video documentary documenting uh, the challenges of being a nomad company. And on the other side, we were trying to find people who also work differently and were interviewing them. And we just came back. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, quite a mission. A bit of an adventure there, that's for sure. <laughs> so we, we do want this to be today a bit more of a, more of a discussion than a Q&A, but we do have a few questions to get the ball rolling. Um, now, you've interviewed loads and loads of people, so let's hit this topic straight in the balls. I want to know, like, what is the common thread between all of these people who've redefined their style of work? What is like, the core necessity, that one thing that everyone has in common? Wow, that's uh, really hard to answer. I think from the cases that I have in mind, the necessity was for, for everyone was different. For example, there was uh, Mirna. She was uh, in her 50s and about 10 years ago, she, she, she was a psychotherapist. So she had her clients in Montevideo, uh, the capital of Uruguay. And 10 years ago, she decided to go to Mallorca uh, to live there on the, on the Spanish island. Now, her patients were not really happy about that. So uh, she had this revolutionary idea of continuing doing psychotherapy via Skype. So that was some sort of necessity, I, th I would say, because she went to Mallorca. She didn't want to lose her clients. And that's why... Um, she did psychotherapy over Skype. Then I met a really inspiring person in Peru, Lima. Her name is Valeria. And when she was 14, she hated school so much and was so unmotivated and her grades were really bad that she told her parents that she doesn't want to go to school anymore. 
and then her parents gave her a trial year. Now, in this trial year, intrinsically motivated at home, she studied coding, photography, uh, learned PHP and WordPress. And when she was 15, she had her first client, which was like a top model from LA. And she picked up the first $600 from Western Union when she was 15 and learned English and photography and everything in the internet. So in her case, I think it was anger and some sort of rebelness with the current education system that then made her learn a lot uh, on her own account and by that became uh, location independent because she worked a lot from home. That's that's a totally different uh, motivation, I guess. Now, if you ask me for the other digital nomads that I'm, like now I just came back two days ago from the DNX, the digital nomad conference in Berlin. And it seems like they're the current, the, the, the reoccurring theme is that people either have a job and are not really happy in it. And they just, they kind of think that, if now they become location independent and work from, let's say, the cliche image of Hemok and Bali, their life is going to be so much better. And uh, I think for many people, it's freedom and the uh, desire to see the world and, and travel. Yeah. Absolutely. That was, that was our calling. That's, we, we fit into that little box quite neatly, I have to say. Not that I've had too much work from hammocks recently. <laughs> no, we haven't been working at hammocks. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a terrible idea to work from ammo. You can do maybe five minutes after that. My back always hurts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's an iPad situation working in a hammock. I don't think you need oh, a laptop in there. Yeah. So, so what was it for you guys? Yeah, it was definitely the the feeling like we were sort of trapped in our own lives. That's it was Yeah. It was we like, were actually we were going down that road of like, oh, we should really start saving money and buying our a house and you know getting a mortgage and doing all that grown-up stuff and then we realized that grown-ups suck <laughs> and so we decided to put all the money that we saved into traveling the world instead and uh, and we've been working on our yeah digital nomad lifestyle ever since okay yeah, yeah. and uh, may I ask how old you are you guys yeah we're in our early 30s okay perfect so we're kind of the same all yeah right. I think a lot of people Maybe they, they live through their 20s and they get regular jobs and they, they're suddenly starting to realize, shit, there's a better option out there. Right. So we are meeting lots of people who are in their 30s who are now considering this lifestyle or already having started this lifestyle. It's definitely not something that's restricted to people who are 21, single and free to do whatever right. they want. Um, okay. Well, I mean, you might have had a completely different experience and met lots of people who are much younger who are starting doing this. But I mean, yeah, tell us about that. Be interested to know. Well... For me, it's kind of the opposite. Like at this point where I am now, I'm actually thinking about buying <laughs> buying a flat. I just talked about this with my parents yesterday here at the yeah. table, and I really like the idea. Like, <laughs> you know, I, the, the thing is, I started traveling 14 years ago. My first long-term travel trip was to Thailand, and since I never really stopped. You know, I was yeah. always uh, on the road with some short breaks, but you know. I went to Thailand, then I lived a year in Chile, then I lived a year in London, I lived a year in Africa, just came back from another 10 months in South America and always did trips to all sorts of places, Jamaica and Morocco and went to like 65 countries, but not in the way that many people would say, hey, I went to 65 countries, being there like two days just to cross it off the bucket list. I actually spent a lot of time in different countries. And for me now, um, I feel like... I kind of want to be at one place more time or at least I, I'm a little bit tired with just traveling around and, and just working at different places. And I guess later we can we can come back to that, to the reasons. But yeah, also one thing I observe is that when um, I'm traveling now, 
the average age of people that I meet is maybe 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit done with going to hostels because usually the people I meet there are 22 and pretty drunk. <laughs> that is the problem of uh, certain people that you do run into. That's well, why we personally are sort of seeking out. We uh, we just bought our tickets to Thailand and we're looking at heading to like Koh Phan Yang and heading to Chiang Mai to actually seek out those digital nomad hubs and other people who, you know, are not just traveling to get shit-faced and late. They're, you know, people are actually trying to make a, a life out yeah. of this sort of that's definitely okay. the difference. There's a lot of people, obviously we meet a lot of people who are in their early 20s who are traveling and then we tell them that we travel permanently and they're like, what? How do you do that? Or they might know what it is already, but they're still like, well, can you tell me how to do that? And we're like, yes, we've got a podcast. We can tell you how to do that. But um, <laughs> actual people who are earning a full-time living online whilst traveling, we were finding a lot more people plus 25. It's not the 21-year-olds that have already got a successful business online. That's what we're seeing. But say you might have found inside those hostels that lots of those people actually had freelance work or were they had their own business already is that what your experience has been or was it more just they were traveling they were uh, mostly traveling the thing is i just came back from south america and south america except of a very few places like medellin in colombia and um, buenos aires in argentina are not typical digital nomad destinations. And I think the reason is that uh, the stereotypes that are in many people's mind is that South America is not that safe. Yeah. Uh, then there's the language barrier because, you know, you need it's, it's nice to speak Spanish when you're down there. Or it's, it's definitely helpful. Um, and people might think that, you know, the internet connection is not that great. And it's also like a first mover advantage of... Uh, Asia and Southeast Asia, Asia, because that was kind of the first place where this digital nomad scene was hanging out, like places that you just named, Chiang Mai and, and Bali and so on. And I think then it just became the common thing to go to those places. So while hanging out in hostels, I maybe in eight or nine months met one or two guys who were working that way. Yeah, yeah, so that's the difference. And um, we found this, we, we're going to Thailand specifically because we've got to the point where we only meet a few digital nomads in each location we go to. We quite, we quite often go to sort of less visited destinations, like we lived in Essaouira in Morocco, which oh, is I love actually, that place. It's quite a, yeah, it's a really, really nice place, but there is not a lot of digital nomads there. There's some expats who have their own businesses there, like hotel businesses and those sorts of things. But, you know, you don't really get that sense of digital nomad community. We didn't, we met a couple of people who were passing through, but we didn't meet up with anyone who was really successful online so yeah we like the idea of going hanging out with other nomads having that opportunity to get creative ideas because we're actually talking to people and, yeah yeah and people who just get the lifestyle as well it is right. nice to have a community that understands you yes yes yeah. i feel the same but by the way a little bit north of Essaouira, I, uh, I don't know how you pronounce that name but it's, i think it's tagazut this kind of surfing small town okay. there they're actually building co-working spaces at the moment and at the digital nomad conference a couple of days ago i met uh, i think her name is barbara and she's coming up with a co-working space right a little bit north of Essaouira. Wow. so they want to turn that into a little location people would go and sit by the beach yeah, and there's actually the next digital nomad conference is actually going to be there. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. They might have yeah. to improve the internet a little bit. Yeah, the, the internet wasn't great. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that brings us on to our next topic. The, you know, internet is one of the big challenges a lot of people who work online face. What are some of the other toughest challenges that you found people discussed with you that they have living a location-independent life? 
So for the internet situation, for example, we found a good solution. Like uh, I lived in Chile 2004, since then came back to South America three times in the last, uh, what is that, uh, 11 years. And every time I came, the, the internet situation was just so much better. Not only is there more network coverage for the, for the prepaid SIM cards, and uh, not only are there more public places which, which have Wi-Fi, it's also just faster. And, you know, the fastest that we need is Skype uh, in terms of bandwidth, and that was possible everywhere. And even one time I was in a bus from Santiago to Valparaiso, which is a one hour and a half bus ride, and I got a notification that I had a call uh, and a meeting and I had no internet so I was but I was able to do the call with my 3G $4 prepaid SIM card in a moving vehicle and it worked in in Chile that's how good the internet is down there sometimes now I see a lot of people with these Huawei Huawei modems uh, where you yeah. can just yeah and, and that seems to be working great I now met Ellen she's working she's <laughs> is working from a camping van and uh, does even WebEx seminars where she shares her screen with this kind of modem. So it seems to be really working nicely, at least here in Europe. Apart from that, the other challenge is discipline sometimes, especially when you're alone. I mean, now I was fortunate. I was with my two friends. And so it's easier to be disciplined because you see other people working around you. But if you're alone, it's sometimes not that easy no, to just say, okay, now I'm going to work. Uh, when there's all these other things you, you can do instead. Yeah, travel is very distracting. It's the the beauty and the curse yeah. all mixed in together. Yeah, and uh, for me, for example, I have serious back pain in the last uh, time. So sometimes it's also the ergonomy of things. Like you're usually at home or in the office, you have a nice chair and you can set this up so it fits your body physics but if you're only going from hostel bed to hostel bar to yeah. airplane and it can be challenging yeah hostel pillows and hotel pillows oh my like God. how often can you find one that's actually got a good pillow <laughs> I, want, I want memory foam pillows that's what i want <laughs> so yeah I, but that's another reason why it's it's really nice just to start early you know because for me always the mindset was i go to the most distant places i can while I'm young, because when I'm 50, I might want to go to Austria. We said that. We haven't been to New Zealand, but we lived in Australia for years. Meg okay. grew up in Australia. I grew up in Australia. I lived in Australia my entire life. But where are you guys from originally? I'm actually from England, but Meg's from Brisbane in Australia. Yeah, and I've never been to New Zealand. And everyone's like, what? Are you insane? Because actually a lot of people, if you ask them what their favorite country is, a lot of people do say New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Australia is the only continent where I didn't go yet. Maybe right. I should go there one day. It's great. It's expensive, but it's getting cheaper because the Australian dollar is going down the toilet right now. <laughs> Quite dramatically. <Okay. laughs> yeah. So it will be a good time to go in the next year or so whilst it's really at a low, I think. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. It's a very interesting place. You will need your Land Rover to get around, probably, because there's uh, very big distances between everything. It's oh, yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. It's standing right next to me now, the Land Rover, and I, I love it. I just uh, I got it back about three uh, days ago, and I was at my place in Berlin, but I went downstairs to sleep inside the Land Rover, even if I had my bed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you have memory foam pillows in your Land Rover? Uh, it's pretty comfortable in there. I sleep really nice there because the surface is very hard, and for yeah. my back, that's much better than, than being in my bed. Perfect. Oh, well, a well, beautiful relationship between a man and his car. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Night Rider and David Hasselhoff. I know, right? yeah. <laughs> Well, we're talking about the Land Rover. You should tell us some stories about South America. How come this whole challenge came around anyway? 
Wow, I mean, I, I wouldn't know where to start. My whole life was just a, a chain of total random events that led to one thing to another. Just to, to make it really quick, back in 2006, I had no idea what to do. Somebody calls me and says, come to this conference. There's free food. And he brought me into this yes. conference. Yeah, it was the Ruby on Rails conference. And he sneaked in with a press card and then got me in there. So I put all this salmon on my plate and... Uh, The guy next to me was like, hey, are you working with Ruby and Reds already? And I'm like, no, not really, but I'm getting into it. And I kind of faked it. And he offered me a job. So I started working in this company. And then I just went from one startup to another. One evening, like two years later, 6 p.m., I walk out of the office and there's a Spanish guy with long hair playing on the street. And he has this guitar, which I just wanted to buy. So I asked him if I can try it. And... He told me, meanwhile, I was playing that he just spent four years in Africa, every year coming back for a week to Spain, buying an old Mercedes, driving back to Africa and selling the Mercedes for three times the price he bought it. And I was like, isn't that dangerous, driving through Africa? He said, no. And he taught me everything I needed to know. And it sounded like a really good idea. So I did the same. I bought a bay old Mercedes and went from Berlin with a plan to go to South Africa. Now, somewhere in Congo, after about 17 African countries, I, I get malaria. And I was in my bed, but I had Wi-Fi. So I Googled random things just to keep my mind busy and read about something. And at one day, I put in, coolest job of the world, internet, enter. And I found a job offer. Uh, there was an online application form. I left it all blank. I only put my name and my phone number. So the next day, I get a call from a company in San Francisco. And they're like, hey, you applied for this job. And I, by the way, had no idea what I applied for. And I wasn't looking for a job. But I went to Zendesk.com which was the company, and I improvised the whole interview just to see what happens. And they really made the job sound like a really cool job, so I accepted, and two weeks later, I sold the car and flew to London and worked at Zendesk for about two years. Now, at one point, I quit my job, founded my own company, kind of doing the same thing that I did at Zendesk, so helping other customers to improve their customer service. And it was all going great for a year, um, but I thought, yeah, it's... Like I was trying to project into the future and it wasn't that exciting just to grow the company and make money and all that. So I asked my Land Rover friend who went through Africa for uh, six years actually and this Land Rover he bought from the Lagos uh, Nigerian embassy. Hey, what should I do with my life? That's all I said. And he said, buy this. And he sent me a link to a Land Rover which was parked in Buenos Aires. So I was like, yeah, but then what did I do? He's like, yeah, he's, it's in Buenos Aires. Maybe you can drive through South America. So a couple of months later, went to the World Cup in Brazil and my backpack was stolen. It was in a car. And the next day I went to a co-working space because I decided to, to just uh, work a lot. So I regained the money for the stolen things. And I told what happened to me to this Brazilian guy who was sitting next to me. He took me to lunch gave me a book and I opened the book and in the first page it was saying, hi Fabian, I'm really sorry for what happened to you in my country. I hope that you always also see another side of Brazil, the smart, innovative, developing side of Brazil. And I thought it's really nice of him. And he then took me through the old town of Recife, a town in the north of Brazil. And I walked through that before and it was all like run-down buildings, closed doors, kids without shoes, sleeping in the entrances. But with Ed, that was his name, Going through the same old town, every second building turned into an incubator, a startup or an angel investment company. And he introduced me to all these people. So in my head, it made like click. The Brazil, which I saw before, turned into a completely different Brazil. And there I had the idea, like the combination of, ah, the land driver in Buenos Aires. Let's show a completely different image of South America, the developing side of uh, South America. 
And that was the idea of, of, of Startup Diaries, going through South America, showing people working on cool stuff while we manage our company from the Land Rover and make a video documentary about the challenges of being this nomad company. Holy crap, what <laughs> yeah. an awesome story. <laughs> <laughs> it was fast forward, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's over the course of like the last five or six years. That whole story is like the summary of everything that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually nine, nine years, yeah, 2006 nine years. it started. And, and I think that's the awesome thing, uh, like everything I have, everything, uh, and it's going quite well with my company, everything is because I traveled. Everything is because... I kind of trained my brain to be open for serendipity and engage into really random things. And I don't think it's destiny. I don't think it's the law of attraction. I don't think it's the predetermined path. I just think it's an, the non-esoteric explanation resonates much more with me, which is you train your brain to be open for stuff that's around you. And then with your intuition, your trust, you decide where you engage and where not. And then you just engage in the right things and that's something that travel I think can teach you yeah you look for those opportunities and you take them yeah it's a positive way to live life yeah some of the best stories we have is because we just randomly decided to do something completely up you know off plan and it turned out to be a fantastic experience that we had because of it what, what, what was that? Was it uh, being location traveling? There's a couple of different things we had been traveling through China and Mongolia and then we went back into China again and we were just we were like, do we go to the south of China? And then randomly, I don't know, Tom was like, we should go to South Korea. And I was like, well, all they, right. They said the only way we could renew our visa was if we flew to Chengdu to go to some office, like Chengdu in China. We said, by the time we pay money to fly to Chengdu and then we pay for a visa renewal to stay in China, we might as well just leave and get a right. flight from central western China, which is obviously miles from anywhere. Um, and we're like, okay, well, Where where's a cool going? place? Where have we wanted to go? Where have people recommended? Oh, South Korea. People have said South Korea is great. And South Korea is one of my favorite. I love like, it. Seoul is one of my favorite cities and in the world. And then in turn we from that, we got cheap flights to the Philippines and we had no plans to go to the Philippines. And we love the Philippines <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. We met so many amazing people and did some really cool things. And yeah, just experiences that we, it was not a plan to have those experiences at all. But they just came up because we went, all right, let's do it. Great, that's the right attitude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk about some money stuff and about how the people you've met are actually making money. I know what you're saying is that everyone has sort of like a, a different business, but maybe you can tell us some of the interesting stories about some of the people, some of the most creative ways that people are actually earning money with a location-independent lifestyle. So, as I said before, we were not particularly looking for people who are location-independent, but more people who redefine work. So, for example, Mirna, the psychologist who then uh, did psychotherapy over Skype for us, that was the perfect example. She was not constantly moving around and now is even back in her hometown and still does it, but now she has clients all over the planet because she lived in Mallorca, met a lot of people, they became their patients, and now she's back in Montevideo. So I think that's really creative um, already. Yeah. Uh, my One of my good friends, he's a guitar teacher and he gives uh, guitar lessons um, over Skype. I also know someone who does English lessons over Skype. Well, there's many life uh, coaches and business coaches who do their things um, over Skype. I really was inspired by Valeria, this, this girl we met in Lima, because we started with 14 and she spoke perfect English because she learned English in the internet. And it was all because her father once randomly picked up a book about, you know, I think SEO or something. So the last 10 years, she's now 24, she worked with people mainly in the US 
But you see, the first client was 14, which is pretty amazing, I think. Apart from that, I think if you look into the digital nomic community, many people come up with this semi-automated money generating passive income. Many are inspired by the four-hour work week and Tim Ferriss's teachings. So niche sites and finding a niche product, sometimes starting with like tools like the Google search term suggestion tool, right? And I think, yeah, maybe it works. Yeah, it works for us. We have a couple of sites like that outside of uh, travel. Okay, and cool. Yeah, it's one of those things. It slowly grows over time. I guess when people start out with that, it's quite hard. And then it was hard for us. We didn't make any money for the first like six, eight months or whatever. And then you certainly need patience. Yes, you need a lot of patience. Yeah. But you could also screw it up and get nothing. We just were like, oh shit, it's working. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that's nice. Yeah, I, I had the same thing going on. But eight years ago, I came up with Spanish speaking website about, it was like relationship advice. I just took like 40 German advices from some random page, translated them into Spanish, but then gave people a chance to comment and ask questions. And then other people would answer those questions. So it was kind of a user-generated content block. So more content there is, more content Google indexed, and more people came on the site. And at, at one point, it had like 30,000 people a day. But it was Spanish, Latin American uh, content, so you get less per click and then after some weird I don't know panda update from Google it just went to zero <laughs> but at times I was living yeah. quite quite well of it hmm. yeah those updates are a bit tricky I think these days we just with the perspective we just have to write really good content and we don't have yeah. any spammy I do know a lot of people or... that have been screwed over by those Google updates in the past content yeah. is king yeah Always. we have not fortunately been uh, screwed over by Google at all we're actually doing quite well out of Google, so we're pretty happy about that. Touch wood. Yeah, yeah, our fingers crossed. Well, I think this is probably an interesting topic to talk about. Now, we still feel like we are in quite a minority having this alternative sort of job. And you've obviously, having met so many different people, you might be starting to feel like this is really such a growing industry. The world is changing. Is it going to really change or is it going to hit some limit where people still have to work for corporations or are the corporations going to start being thinned out with everyone going and running small businesses and interacting on a more personal level? Well, I think it's definitely changing. And if I think the numbers are backing that up. I mean, if you if you look into the statistics, they're saying that 40 million million uh, US uh, citizens will be independent workers by 2019. I, I think it's definitely changing, right? And it makes sense. What about, you know, saving an hour of commute every morning and every evening? I had friends in London who came an hour and a half every day in the morning and in the evening yeah. and was like sardines in a tin can in the metro and just sucks, you know? And then, you know, th th there's many studies, which uh, there's one study saying that uh, people working from home work 9% more productive and, you know, corporations, even if they're big, want happy workers. So if giving them the freedom to work from wherever they want makes them happier and by this increases productivity, then also bigger corporations will catch up on that. I don't think that it's necessary going into the direction that everybody has its own business, but that remote work is going to be a big thing where bigger corporations start by saying, okay, now you can choose one day per week where you work from home or for a coffee shop or from wherever mm -hmm. and testing this new model and then 
maybe giving people more and more uh, liberty. So you can see that the tools are kind of there and they're being improved. You know, there's uh, methods to kind of, you know, there's challenges obviously that come with it. Like how do you replicate the, the water spender or the coffee machine where people just randomly meet and not necessarily talk about things you would talk about in a meeting, but still talk about something that is very important because, you know, maybe you connect more with your colleagues and such. So we need to find solutions for this, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, in the next years, I think. And if you look at, you know, the extremes like Automatic, the company which is behind WordPress, you know, WordPress now powers 20% of all websites in the internet. And Matt Mullenweg, who created it when he was 19, he now has 400 employees. From There's one small office in San Francisco where people just go to pick up T-shirts and the, the rest is spread across the globe. They don't use internal email they didn't they don't write a single email between each other they just use slack which is this kind of group chat for all internal communication when they employ someone new they would interview these new people via chat and not see them and it's, it's just great and it works great for them and there's other examples like github and many other companies who start with this new trend of, of remote work and I think it, it's definitely going there yeah well I mean like the old style of work of everyone going into a cubicle it seems sort of it's a bit inefficient almost having to pile everyone into the middle of a city they all sit in this box and then they all have to leave why they're spending so much money on rent for this this place to house all these workers and paying for all their computers in there and everything I mean yeah it seems like such a better idea for people to be able to work from home a lot more and to be able to work remotely. And I guess if they had these co-working spaces, which obviously are popping up all over the place, then if you happen to live near some people who are employed by the same company, you just all meet up at the nearest co-working space to you, rather than having to go to some central office in the middle of London on an hour and a half commute, as you say. It's, it's insane. And that's a lifestyle we had to, you know, Meg had to go to work on the train every day. Not for an hour and a half, fortunately. But... Yeah. When I started that job, it was an hour and a half. Yeah, you were commuting a long way the first before we And then moved. we moved into the city, so it would be less. But still, yeah, as you said, sardines in a tin can. It's just horrible. Yeah, I and know. Everyone's so fucking miserable, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, oh, it's not like anyone's having any happy times on those trains. But actually, this reminds me what we were saying just now about people in regular corporate jobs actually being given the option to work away from the office a lot more. When we were house sitting in Portugal, the son of the owner of the house, he actually had moved from Holland to Portugal and he only went back to the company in Holland occasionally to sort of catch up on bits and pieces. And the rest of the work he did like three days a week work from home and that's all they needed him to do. And because the cost of living in Portugal is so much lower than Holland, but he was getting paid a wage that is useful for the Netherlands, he only needed to work three days a week to have a great quality of life living in Portugal. So yeah, and that's another alternative. As, as we say, yeah, being a nomad and actually moving around is very different from that sort of lifestyle that he had. But he could have moved somewhere else. He didn't have to stay in Portugal all the time. He could have moved to Italy and then moved to another country and spent a year in each or whatever, if he wanted if he to. Wanted to yeah. yeah, and I think that's the perfect model because st- when you work for a bigger corporation, it's still very important that here and there you get together with the whole team. So you bond with the other team members. So you know who, you, who you're talking to. You can connect faces to names. Mm-hmm. And I think this model of maybe working two weeks or let's say a, a month, wherever you want, but then every two months, everybody from all sorts of corners of the planet would come together for some sort of uh, team exercises. It's, it's just very necessary. And 
and important. The money that the company is saving on not having a head office will easily cover the cost of them paying some local flights to fly someone from Portugal to Holland like easily cover the cost with a lot of change left over. Much more efficient way of doing it, I think. Well, fingers crossed. That's the way the future is going. Yeah. And I guess if corporations don't start doing that more, then more and more people will leave because this is the stories we hear from people going, I have to get out of this horrible corporate job where I sit in an office all day yeah. and it's really great. I have to depressing. say, actually, my old job that I had, they were starting to progress more into people working from home then as well. So... That was if I had stayed there, I don't think I'd be working in an office anymore. That's for sure. But uh, we definitely we chose a different life plan. Which is all right. It's all right. Now we're all over the place. <laughs> so uh, you also spoke at TEDx, which is a dream of many people, especially ourselves. We love TED so much. So how did you make that happen, and what was it that you were talking about? It was in Colombia, Bogota, and at the end of our trip, to make things easier, we hired an assistant in Spain, so she would contact people in the cities where we are about to arrive. So when we arrived there, we already had interviews lined up. Now, she also found out that there was a TEDx going on in Bogota, and she wrote them an email asking them if, if we can get in for free. And they said, well, you cannot only get in for free if you want, you can speak here, because what you're doing sounds, sounds really cool. And then I had a couple of phone calls with them and we talked about what I could potentially sp uh, speak about and then it happened. So it was TEDx Youth in uh, Bogota and the topic was basically the story I told you about this random, the topic was called The Art of Designing Your Own Path. So it was about how these, these random things happening in my life brought me to where I am now. Then three examples of very inspiring people that we found in uh, South America and the general theme being that there's so many different paths you can take and that this kind of risk-free path that the society <laughs> kind of um, proposes to everyone is, is just one of them but there's there's so many different ones and I used like a, a waterfall in Jamaica there's this giant waterfall uh, as a metaphor for that because when you come to this to this big cascading 200 meter long waterfall in the morning there's no tourists and when you stand in front of it you realize there's like so many different ways you can go up the waterfall but when the tourist buses arrive you see one long line of people holding hands renting these 10 dollar rubber shoes and going up the waterfall exactly in the same way because the guides told them that they have to follow this particular line hold each other hand and taking these small baby steps and you can't believe your eyes if you see that because that's the way to go up the waterfall if you're 75 and you can't do it alone but if you're like in a good shape or more or less you can discover all these awesome things which are left and right and it's a little bit more risky but when you reach at the top you realize that you that you have seen so much more because you see all these butterflies which are afraid to fly where all the people are and so on so I use this kind of metaphor that you know there's many ways to, 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 go, to, to, to go up the waterfall and, and then following the line is not bad and it's, it's okay it brings you up too but there's so many other ways and that's basically the essence of the TED talk cool very cool yeah it's a great concept and, and I did they film that will we be able to find that and put it in our show notes yeah it's on startupdiaries.org on our website yeah yes and I've actually been to that waterfall have you oh yeah yes did you go out the old people way? Well, I was uh, I was assisting cruise ship passengers oh, in my yeah, old okay. cruise ship job. Oh, so, yes, you told me. Yeah, <laughs> I got to go for free, but I had to help the passengers get up the waterfall. And cruise ship passengers, as you may know, are often of the older ages. So, yes, we definitely took the safe route. <laughs> Did you also go to this other cool place in uh, Ocho Rios called uh, Blue Hole? 
Oh, yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. This is so many years ago now, I can't even okay. remember. But that sounds very familiar. We were all talking about going to Blue Hole. Yeah. I love Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. You see, that's another one of those places that people maybe have this negative feeling that it's a bit uh, scary, like Brazil. Um, mm -hmm. I've definitely been of that opinion that Brazil is a little bit dangerous. And as you're saying, you've been there and you've been through these sort of shanty towns where actually all the startups are going on in <laughs> places. So, I mean, yeah, that's really interesting as well. Is, do you find that Brazil is actually pretty safe? Man, I'm always saying that nothing in the world is dangerous. But if there's one place I would have to say I feel a little bit scared when it gets dark, it's North Brazil. Mm. And I've been like, you know, I, I, I drove through Nigeria and to all sorts of places where people would say this is dangerous and I never felt any, uh, never scared or danger, but I would not walk around alone in the dark in places like Recife, Fortaleza or Salvador de Bahia in the north of Brazil. Mm. That's the only place. <laughs> hey, good to know. Good to know. My fears are not completely misplaced. <laughs> But places like Buenos Aires are actually very safe for tourists. Yeah, yeah, I would say. But then, it, you know, it depends totally on yourself, I would think. Because when I, when I went to Jamaica, I came from Calgary and there was a five, for 550 Canadian dollars, I got the flight and a hotel with breakfast included. So I stayed at this hotel and I met people my age who were like, and I was like, oh, I'm going out there, meeting some people. And they were like, you're going out there? They couldn't believe that I was going out of the hotel compound. And they were like, there's all these people in there on top of you, there's mosquitoes. And it's true, when you're coming out of the hotel compound, there's people waiting and they're kind of trying to sell you something. But if you're 100 meters further apart of the hotel door, everything is just normal. So it's like these, this bias perspective that you get when you're in one of these compounds. Rather, when you walk around somewhere on the island, it's, it, everything is fine. So you just have to get out of this somehow. And then it's totally how you move around. Right? You're not standing with a map at a street corner and a Nikon camera strapped around your neck. right? Like if you observe and, and use your intuition, like if the Jamaicans do fist pumps to greet themselves, then you do that too, man. You, you go through the street with this reggae wipe and then everything is fine. Instead of being these, these kind of you know, afraid tourists. Yeah, confidence is definitely key. That's one thing we tell a lot of people. Like, you've got to be confident. Don't look like a tourist. Don't, you know, try and not act like a tourist because otherwise you're just going to get targeted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. My strategy is if there's a street and there's some dodgy people who I might be scared of and I have no other way to go, I would approach them first and ask some dodgy question. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like what the hell is happening what's this white dude asking us and then you kind of bond with them huh? <laughs> freak them out a little bit yeah. and they're like this guy's more mental than we He's are yeah. we're not going to mess with him Man, I went. I once was robbed. That's the only time I was robbed uh, in Ghana at the beach in the night. And those guys, you know, I was running. I had all my stuff in my hand because I'd swum before. So I ran next to those three guys, and they took everything I had. Like while I was running next to them, snatched it from my hand, and then they they went off. But they weren't running. It was three guys, and I was alone, so they knew I can't do anything. But I walked after them, really calm. And then they stopped and searched through my stuff. And I was standing next to them. And I had like one of these bracelets around my neck and necklace. And the first guy just put his hands directly around my neck and wanted to take it off. And I was like, man, this is from the Marabu people. And these Marabu people are from Gambia. And they're known to be like some sort of magic voodoo tribe. So he said, okay, you can keep it. So then I was like, 
man, there's really nothing in my stuff. I mean, I'm cold. Maybe I need it. And then we're like, what are you doing here? And I said, yeah, I just came with a car from Berlin to Ghana. And they were like, what? With a car from Berlin? How did you do that? And they wanted to hear the story. And I told them the story in like 10 minutes. And after that, they were like, oh, my God, you made it until here. We don't want to uh, like uh, keep you here. So take all your stuff and go. <laughs> so they gave everything back to me. Dude, shots <laughs> wow. of balls, that's for sure. Negotiating with muggers. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, what can they do? They wouldn't kill you. Usually, you don't get killed. Like in even northern Brazil, if people would steal from you and you give them what they want, they wouldn't kill you. And nobody just kills you usually. Right? So there's there's not really so much to be afraid of. Yeah, that's very true. They just they're just poor. They don't want to murder rap. They don't want to go to prison. They just want your stuff. Yeah. And there's a saying, there's, there's nobody you cannot learn to love once you know their story. And I think it's very true because sometimes I was very judgmental with people like that because I knew they were stealing something, but then I got to spend more time with them and hear their story and I could totally relate it. And I would say, man, if I was in that position, I would maybe do the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's really hard to understand that sort of life if you've grown up in an affluent country and you've never really had those money issues. It's got to be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we're sort of near the end of the interview, so I think we need to ask the question we ask everybody. Yes, yes, it's a, no one escapes this question. So, uh, if you could go back before you started working online, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself? Find a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time anyone said that. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Could you elaborate on that? Well, obviously, one of the challenges when you have this kind of lifestyle and you do it alone is loneliness sometimes. And I think with many people I talk to at the Digital Nomad Conference, they feel the same because, you know, you can go all to all these places and do all these amazing things. And we all know that experiences count more than material possessions. And that's all agreed on. But I did so many different things and I did them with so many different people and it would just be nice to have a constant in my life, somebody to, to share it with. And I wouldn't go so far in saying happiness is only real when it's shared because it's still awesome, everything I did. But I think right now I'm at a point where I would prefer, I could only go on living this lifestyle if I, if I would do it with someone. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Good point, good point. Yeah. Okay, well... Can you give us a little bit of information where listeners can come and find you, find out more about Startup Diaries and what you've been up to and watch your videos and that sort of thing? Where do you want people to come and get you on the internet? So if you're a single girl and listening to this, then <laughs> please find me. <laughs> please find me on startupdiaries.org. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, so we have a website called startupdiaries.org uh, and you can search for the same on uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page where most of the stuff is being released. And yeah, I also have a personal website called fabianditrick.com. Okay, Wonderful. with topless photos for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you need a member section, but um, I will send you the password. Perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Fabian, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, and thanks for having me. No worries at all. <laughs> wow. That was a cool interview. Really cool. Yeah. Really, I really enjoyed doing that interview. Just inspiring to think that these events could happen to you if you choose your own path. As Fabian's TED Talk was about, is you know, crafting your own path, not just following the one that's been put there for you. Yeah, absolutely. So it is that time of the day. What time is it? 
Travel homework time. What? What? Who would have thought? It is. It is. So we want you to think outside the box. If you are still working back home, think, is there a way that I can do this remotely? I'm already yeah. trained. I already have the knowledge. Can I adjust this and turn it into a remote location job? Could you just talk to your boss? Maybe your boss hasn't even thought about the fact that he could, you know, free up some space in the office by sending you off and letting you work at home. Exactly. Yeah, maybe you just need to ask. Maybe you need to make a good pitch. Yeah. Come up with a great pitch and talk to them and go, yeah. And phase yourself out of working exactly. in that office. Also, freedom uh, homework, travel homework part two is to be open to new experiences. Don't close yourself off to strangers or People. Muggers. Muggers. <laughs> yeah, follow them and don't. ask their advice for things. And Okay, maybe don't take that advice. But just be open to new experiences and new suggestions. And you never know where you might find yourself. You could find yourself scuba diving in the Philippines. We never thought we would be there. Yeah, it was awesome. Amazing. So, yeah, just when that intuition sort of kicks in, you're like, this might be a good idea. Go Do with it. it. Do Grab it. Grab it by the balls. Yeah. And of course, if you could help us out and perhaps help yourself out and want to get a 50% discount off our upcoming membership program. Crack our brains open and yeah. let you just like get in there. Yeah. Find Gonna out what's rolling around. Give you all the juicy details, all uh -huh. the step-by-step -step information we wish we'd had when we actually started out. Instead of having to piece the puzzle together, we actually want to put the puzzle ready-made right on a website for you. That's the plan. So head over to travelfreedompodcast.com slash community. That quiz will take like two minutes to fill out. It's real simple stuff. You just tick some boxes and go, yes, that's the sort of thing I want. No, I don't want that. Yes, I want that. Awesome. Yeah, it'll also help us know what sort of stuff you're interested in hearing about on the podcast as well. Yeah, we'll see what sort of topics are really useful for you guys to learn about. Fantastic. Okay, travelfreedompodcast.com slash community. Leave your email on the form as well, and we'll make sure you get a 50% discount code when we eventually launch the course. for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at travelfreedompodcast.com. Join us again every Monday to learn how to supercharge your online income and travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at mytravelfreedom. Or email info at travelfreedompodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. Catch us again every Monday on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.